story nine of the grim smile of the five towns by arnold bennett this librivox recording is in the public domain story nine news of the engagement my mother never came to meet me at bursley station when i arrived in the five towns from london much less did she come as far as Knipe station which is the great traffic centre of the district the point at which one changes from the express into the local train she had always other things to do she was preparing for me so i had the little journey from knipe to bursley and then the walk up trafalgar road amid the familiar high chimneys and the smoke and the clayey mud and the football posts and the midland accent all by myself and there was leisure to consider anew how i should break to my mother the tremendous news i had for her i had been considering that question ever since getting into the train at euston where i had said good-bye to agnes but in the atmosphere of the five towns it seemed just slightly more difficult though of course it wasn't difficult really you see i wrote to my mother regularly every week telling her most of my doings she knew all my friends by name i dare say she formed in her mind notions of what sort of people they were thus i had frequently mentioned agnes and her family in my letters but you can't write even to your mother and say in cold blood i think i'm beginning to fall in love with agnes i think agnes likes me i am mad on her i feel certain she likes me i shall propose to her on such a day you can't do that at least i couldn't hence it had come about that on the twentieth of december i had proposed to agnes and been accepted by agnes and my mother had no suspicion that my happiness was so near and on the twenty-second by a previous and unalterable arrangement i had come to spend christmas with my mother i was the only son of a widow i was all that my mother had and lo i had gone and engaged myself to a girl she had never seen and i had kept her in the dark she would certainly be extremely surprised and she might be a little bit hurt just at first anyhow the situation was the least in the world delicate i walked up the whitened front steps of my mother's little house just opposite where the electric car stopped but before i could put my hand on the bell my little plump mother in her black silk and her gold brooch and her auburn hair opened to me having doubtless watched me down the road from the bay window as usual and she said as usual kissing me well philip how are you and i said oh i'm all right mother how are you i perceived instantly that she was more excited than my arrival ordinarily made her there were tears in her smiling eyes and she was as nervous as a young girl she did indeed look remarkably young for a woman of forty-five with twenty-five years of widowhood and a brief but too tempestuous married life behind her the thought flashed across my mind by some means or other she's got wind of my engagement but how but i said nothing i too was naturally rather nervous mothers are kittle cattle i'll tell her at supper i decided and she hovered round me like a seagull round a steamer as i went upstairs there was a ring at the door she flew instead of letting the servant go it was a porter with my bag just as i was coming downstairs again there was another ring at the door 
and my mother appeared magically out of the kitchen but i was beforehand with her and with a laugh i insisted on opening the front door myself this time a young woman stood on the step please mrs dawson wants to know if mrs durrance can kindly lend her half a dozen knives and forks ah what a pleasure said my mother behind me just wait a minute lucy come inside on the mat i followed my mother into the drawing-room where she kept her silver in a cabinet that's mrs dawson's new servant my mother whispered but she needn't think i'm going to lend her my best because i'm not i shouldn't if i were you i supported her and she went out with some second best in tissue paper and beamed on mrs dawson's servant with an assumed benevolence there she exclaimed and the compliments of the season to your mistress lucy after that my mother disappeared into the kitchen to worry an entirely capable servant and i roamed about feeling happily excited examining the drawing-room in which nothing was changed except the incandescent light and the picture postcards on the mantelpiece then i wandered into the dining-room a small room at the back of the house and here an immense surprise awaited me supper was set for three well i reflected here's a nice state of affairs supper for three and she hasn't breathed a word my mother was so clever in social matters and especially in planning of delicious surprises that i believed her capable even of miracles in some way or other she must have discovered the state of my desires towards agnes she had written or something she and agnes had been plotting together by letter to startle me and perhaps telegraphing agnes had fibbed in telling me that she could not possibly come to bursley for christmas she had delightfully fibbed and my mother had got her concealed somewhere in the house or was momentarily expecting her that explained the tears the nervousness the rushes to the door i crept out of the dining-room determined not to let my mother know that i had discreetly viewed the supper-table and as i was crossing the lobby to the drawing-room there was a third ring at the door and a third time my mother rushed out of the kitchen by jove i thought suppose it's agnes what a scene and trembling with expectation i opened the door it was mr nixon now mr nixon was an old friend of the family's a man of forty-nine or fifty with a reputation for shrewdness and increasing wealth he owned a hundred and seventy-five cottages in the town having bought them gradually in half dozens and in rows he collected the rents himself and attended to the repairs himself and was celebrated as a good landlord and as being almost the only man in bursley who had made cottage property pay he lived alone in commerce street and though not talkative was usually jolly with one or two good stories tucked away in the corners of his memory he was my mother's trustee and had morally aided her in the troublous times before my father's early death well young man cried he though you're back oh bowsley it amused him to speak the dialect a little occasionally and he brought his burly powerful form into the lobby i greeted him as jovially as i could and then he shook hands with my mother neither of them speaking mr nixon is come for supper philip said my mother i liked mr nixon but i was not too well pleased by this information for i wanted to talk confidentially to my mother 
i had a task before me with my mother and here mr nixon was plunging into the supper i could not break it gently to my mother that i was engaged to a strange young woman in the presence of mr nixon mr nixon had been in to supper several times during previous visits of mine but never on the first night however i had to make the best of it and we sat down and began on the ham the sausages the eggs the crumpets the toast the jams the mince tarts the stilton and the celery but we none of us ate very much despite my little plump mother's protestations my suspicion was that perhaps something had gone slightly wrong with my mother's affairs and that mr nixon was taking the first opportunity to explain things to me but such a possibility did not interest me for i could easily afford to keep my mother and a wife too i was still preoccupied in my engagement and surely there is nothing astonishing in that and i began to compose the words in which immediately on the departure of mr nixon after supper i would tackle my mother on the subject when we had reached the stilton and celery i intimated that i must walk down to the post office as i had to dispatch a letter won't it do to-morrow my pet asked my mother it will not i said imagine leaving agnes two days without news of my safe arrival and without assurances of my love i had started writing the letter in the train near williston and i finished it in the drawing-room a lady in the case mr nixon called out gaily yes i replied with firmness i went forth bought a picture postcard showing st luke's square bursley most untruthfully picturesque and posted the card and the letter to my darling agnes i hoped that mr nixon would have departed ere my return he had made no reference at all during supper to my mother's affairs but he had not departed i found him solitary in the drawing-room smoking a very fine cigar what's the matter i demanded she's just gone out of the room he said come and sit down have a weed i want a bit of a chat with you philip i obeyed taking one of the very fine cigars well uncle nixon i encouraged him wishing to get the chat over because my mind was full of agnes i sometimes called him uncle for fun well my boy he began it's no use me beating about the bush what do you think of me as a stepfather i was struck as they say down there all of a heap what i stammered you don't mean to say uh, you and mother he nodded yes i do lad yesterday she promised as she'd marry my unworthy self it's been coming along for some time but i don't expect she's given you any hint in her letters in fact i know she hasn't it would have been rather difficult wouldn't it she couldn't well have written my dear philip an old friend mr nixon is falling in love with me and i believe i'm falling in love with him one of these days he'll be proposing to me she could not have written like that could she i laughed i could not help it shake hands i said warmly i'm delighted and soon afterwards my mother sidled in shyly the lad's delighted sarah said mr nixon shortly i said nothing about my own engagement that night i had never thought of my mother as a woman with a future i had never realized that she was desirable and that a man might desire her and that her lonely existence in that house was not all that she had the right to demand from life 
and i was ashamed of my characteristic filial selfish egoism so i decided that i would not intrude my joys on hers until the next morning we live and learn end of story nine